Hi guys, welcome back to What's the Hazard, this is Doug. It is October 30th, Friday, the last Friday of the month, and so that means it's time for our leadership series with Aaron Cerrone. Aaron, good to see you, man. How we doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You have a, a very cool t-shirt on today. I felt, I felt it was appropriate for safety. <laughs> I love it. So um, you're going to have to go to the www.fletchersafety.com to see the picture. That's where we're posting the pictures for the time being. Uh, this is the Ranger Up, the new company, or at least they've been around. I, yeah. It's one new of to me. What's the dude's name? That Oh, I don't even remember. Isn't it? Tim Kennedy or somebody or well, one of those? Well, he's, he's, uh, he's involved with them. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he's a part owner or not. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. In my defense, I was left unsupervised. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I am sporting my uh, Hodge Twins. There you go. Uh, like American Skull Flag t-shirt today. <laughs> uh, we are about three days away from the election. And I have to tell you, man, um, I feel just this heightened level of anxiety all the time. I think we talked about this at the gym the other day. There is right. just this underlying sense of, I mean, there's always the make a living, pay your bills, you know, keep the kids out of jail. That sense of stress is always there in sure, the background. Your, your day-to-day rat race. The day-to-day stuff. But, man, you add on the COVID, you add on the election, you add on, I mean, literally social unrest that you see on television every night. Sure. If you're stupid enough to watch television, you see that shit. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I do have some nice questions in the mailbag this week, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, in the work environment, and and in addition to that, everybody else has that stress, which adds to this cumulative group stress, this organizational stress. What what do leaders need to be, do they just need to be conscious of this, or is there anything they can be doing? I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where you have to understand that uh, people have lives when they leave work, right? And then there's other things going on, obviously. And, and this is, to your point, we're so inundated uh, with this garbage right now. It's like you can't even turn on the radio. You can't turn on your social media. You can't turn on TV without getting blasted uh, by the media uh, of everything politics at this point. And, you know, and then, of course, the media overly dramatizes and makes it always, in my opinion, sound worse than what it is. So every time you flip it on, there's somebody, some group rioting. Uh, we're burning down the cities. You know, somebody's gotten shot. There's everything happy on the freaking news. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make money. So, um, you know, it, it definitely adds to people's daily stressors. And mm-hmm. then, of course, just the unknown, right? Fear scares people. Absolutely. Right? And the unknown. And if, if you listen too heavily into this stuff, you know, if candidate X gets elected, everybody's jobs are going to dry up. If candidate Y gets elected, you know, your taxes are going to quadruple. So, you know, that's that's scary for a lot of people, uh, especially if, you know, they don't feel comfortable in their job to begin with, um, if the company may not be doing well, or if they're in an industry that's very volatile. So that, that carries over into the workplace, whether you like it or not. People carry their daily stuff into the workplace with them anyway. Right. Right? You know, it's just a matter of can they compartmentalize it and then get some quality work done while they're there. Mm-hmm. But when it's all around us like it is now, it's hard not to for it to affect the work environment. It's just, it is what it is, you know? So I think leaders and managers need to be cognizant of that. And and like we talked, I think it's important now more than ever for, you know, that culture at work to be very supportive of people, to let them know, hey, it doesn't matter who gets elected, you're still going to have your job, right? Right, right. That doesn't affect us. That's a good point. Like the company's still going to be here, the company's doing well. And I think we need to reassure employees that the company is doing well. 
that everything going on is not going to affect us in, in the way that the news is making it sound mm-hmm. to be. Uh, we're not going to have mass layoffs because Nitwit X is in office now all of a sudden. Right. So uh, especially on, on, on the local level, like what I consider us on a local level, like now you're talking, you know, the big dogs like GM and, and places like that. Yeah, the elections could probably affect them a little bit mm-hmm. uh, bigger. And I'm not saying it's not going to have an effect on us, but, you know, we need to keep reassuring uh, employees that guys like this is, you know, you're look, you're looking at the extremes right. and, and we're in the middle here. Yeah. Just hang in there. Yeah. Just it's hang in be there. Okay. You know? And then I think it's important now for companies to do things to bring people together, you know, you know, have those company picnics, have those company outings, uh, have lunch for everybody, you know, do things where the families get involved, you know, where you, where you maybe have a company picnic and then bring a bunch of bounce houses and get all the kids together and just create that, sense of community because they're all struggling mm-hmm. in some manner we all are right mm-hmm. and and when you bring people together now they can relate to each other uh they start chit-chatting talking they realize they're all having the same issues and now they're helping each other out that does deal help. With all those yeah. things and then you know you start to put things in perspective it's like okay it's not just me that's stressed out about this it's not just me having these problems everybody is and now it's like, okay, now we can commiserate together for lack of a better term, right? Right. But, you know, there's that, you create right. that support group. And, and that's really what the work environment should be. It's not just kind of a is, sense of community sure. or whatever that is. It is about getting stuff done, but it's also a giant, it potentially can be a giant support group for everybody. And it should be, mm-hmm. right? Work shouldn't be a place that you dread. You shouldn't look forward to Friday, right? It should be a place where you feel comfortable going and want to go. And, and you're around a group of people that can support you in your, daily trials and tribulations as well because they're all go through in it too mm-hmm. exactly that's interesting and i i think as you mentioned that these could be formal uh activities where you're trying to bring people together and and instill that sense of community or stability as well as kind of the informal things that you refer to like the temperature checks when the sure supervisors are out on the floor just checking in you know and, and politics is one of those things where you got to be careful bringing that up at work because you really want the work environment to be kind of agnostic because every, you have different people in there, they all have different opinions, and you, you respect those opinions, right? I mean, I tend to lean one way, but I don't disrespect other people if they lean another way. It's just, it is what it is. They have their beliefs. Right, I have sure. mine. It doesn't mean we can't work together and coexist. And I think that's the biggest problem right now is that when you listen to the media and the pundits and the influencers – certain basketball players, the influencers, mm-hmm. like, like, oh, well, you have different opinions. You can't be in the same room together. You have to hate that person. Right. It's like, well, that's ridiculous, right? Just because we have different opinions on life and politics doesn't mean we can't work together or, or be friends or be in the same room. We just agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. If we can have a an honest conversation, point, counterpoint conversation, but th- that's the problem right now is we can't do that, right? It's, it's always shouting and screaming, and if you don't right. believe what I believe, you're an idiot, and I'm not going to attempt to even understand your side. You're not going to attempt to understand my side. And there's no learning going yeah, that, on at I all. Mean, I think that lack of communication just adds to the, sure. the stress, man. I mean, sure. I do have some good buddies, some former you know, uh, colleagues at OSHA who are probably have different political opinions than me. And, and we've always been able to kind of uh, joke our way through that. You know, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. They differ. We kind of joke and make fun of each other a little bit. But, you know, the friendship is sure. strong enough to get us through that. Um, that doesn't always seem to be the case. You know, there well, seems I, to be a lot I of... The mantra right now is, well, you, you have to hate that person, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. But to your point, that carries over in a workplace. Uh, I think 
if anything, this is a great opportunity for leaders and managers to bring people together, mm -hmm. right? That's a good point. You know, it, it's a, like when the, when things are good, things are good, and we tend to take that for granted, right? And it's like in, in times of, of turmoil is when now your true colors show. And I think right. this is a great time now. Like, like I think it, no one's going to argue with you. It's not a stressful time right now, considering 2020 being the garbage year that it has yeah, been, no right? Doubt, it can't no get doubt. over soon enough. But to me, this is a great opportunity for companies to, to do those things, to go above and beyond, to really invest in people, to bring them together, and to show, hey, look, it probably can't get much worse than what this year's been, right? Agreed. And, and we're tighter than ever. And, and we're tighter than ever because of it. Yeah, you know, I would agree. So uh, It really you know, is an opportunity. Sure. Uh, I think a, there's a big opportunity there if people are uh, aware and taking advantage of that. That's a great point. Man, I wanted. I do want to say um, thank you to my sponsors. I forgot to even mention the sponsors. First and foremost, Mid American Martial Arts is uh, the sponsor of our leadership series. Aaron and uh, all of the folks over at Mid America. So I, I must say that um, never has have, has uh, punching something been such a an important stress reliever in my life. Therapeutic, huh? It is incredibly therapeutic. So if you don't have anything to hit legally, <laughs> um, I would recommend giving Aaron a call or at least visiting the website because even 30 minutes twice a week, and I'm going to exaggerate the 30 minutes. I'm usually good for about 12 minutes, I think, is what we've come <laughs> up with. But even 12 minutes twice a week, man, um, I truly, I mean this, and also does wonders for your psyche. If I did not have that, I used to be able to get that from lifting heavy weights, I don't lift heavy weights anymore. I, you need something to be able to expel some of that tension. And, and I think that, you know, just working out, particularly, I, I have always found, you know, the, um, I don't know if you would, just martial arts, the combat arts, whatever those are, even from an exercise standpoint, mm -hmm. from a stress relief standpoint, has been I think, incredibly you know, important. it's one of those things like, if you ever had a puppy, you know, puppies have a lot of energy, and if you don't exercise them and walk them, that energy will manifest in your shoe getting torn up or your house getting <laughs> yeah, torn undesirable up. Undesirable right? behaviors, right? Because they they have to get rid of that energy. Like they, that it's a it's a nervous energy, it's a stress energy. It's just so you know, if people are the same way, and I don't think we understand that. That you know, you can say, "Oh, I like to read." That mellows me out. Sure, it does, but not in the same way as getting doing something that exhausts your body mm -hmm. and gets rid of all that excess energy, all that pent-up stress, right? Physical exertion, nothing quite affects the body like that in terms of de-stressing and, and clearing your mind and and leveling yourself out. Right. Like, I, I, I understand, like, reading a book, how that can calm you down, how, for some people, painting can calm you down, right? But But I promise you, it's not the same as going out there and doing something physically exerting whether that's digging a ditch or building something or, or just punching a heavy bag or, or lifting weights, whatever it happens to be, right? That effect on your body is very unique and, and what it does to your psyche. That's so, interesting. You know, to your point, like, like we all have those outlets, right? And I think it's important to have outlets, but everybody should explore an outlet in which there's some type of physical exertion mm -hmm. because that has a very unique effect on your body than, than anything else will have. <clears throat> That's very true. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering, now that you mentioned that, if people that who have physical jobs benefit from that. I know it's slightly different from a cardiovascular standpoint, probably. But if you are the guy that goes to work, you know, on a construction site every day, 
do you come home and sleep better at the end of the day than the guy that's been sitting in a cubicle you know, all that's, day? That's interesting, <laughs> but I would venture to guess uh, that people who are in a, the more blue-collar physical jobs are probably less stressed. Uh, I mean, they're going to be stressed, like mm-hmm. paying the bills kind of stress, sure, yeah. right? You know, making the mortgage kind of So they're going to have that. But uh, I, I would almost guarantee that there's probably less job stress that they carry over into their lives. Uh, because probably true interesting well anyway man thank you very much for allowing me that 24 (laughs) minutes a week to de-stress because i'm not sure i would be holding up very well without it so um, you're not the the only one to say that too like we have a lot of common friends mm -hmm. very successful business people that come in Mm -hmm. and and that's really the reason they come in right it's just that that opportunity just to level out yeah for a little while each week it feels like it gives you some control in a in a in a world otherwise where we have so little control, (laughs) which is really part of the anxiety, I think. All right, man. um, Let's jump right into the mailbag. Let's do it. I I had some really interesting questions, man. Thanks again to everyone that submits a question. You know you are always welcome to send them to me through LinkedIn or hit me at Doug at FletcherSafety.com, whatever is most, most convenient for you. But the questions are much appreciated. And so here's the first one. This one's a little bit long. It comes from John W., and I didn't, I didn't recognize John's name, so I appreciate it, John. I'm the safety director for a medium-sized construction company responsible for multiple work sites you know, that are going on at one time. When I visit a site, the guys scramble to put on all of their personal protective equipment and start <laughs> working safely, which suggests to me that when I leave, they don't do that. And you're probably right. Is it me? I mean, what, what, do I need to approach things differently i mean what what am i doing wrong as the safety guy i mean i mean ultimately you can say yeah it is you i mean you're the one responsible for it you're in charge of the safety program but i think that goes back to what we've been talking about all along it's right now they have a safety program and they're not working safely right right so it's not a cultural approach to safety right it's out of sight out of mind as Mm -hmm. fast as they can right Right now, that company is, they're going to have their safety day. They're all going to do it because they have to. And the second they walk out the door, they brain dump it, which is why you're seeing that they scramble to put on their safety gear, right? So it's multiple things going on. So it's leadership not embracing the message. It's leadership not ensuring that message is moving down. There's a disconnect between leadership and then the second and third level of management down to the site foremans, Mm -hmm. down to the immediate uh, supervisors, right? So they're not enforcing the mantra, right, right, as, right, as well, right? Somebody's letting them take all their safety equipment off and not checking them on it. And you, you don't want to get to the point where you're going to have random inspections. Hey, I might come up randomly mm-hmm. and check it, right? That doesn't do any. It, there's a time and a place for it, but that should not be the norm in terms of making people work safely, right, or getting people to work safely. So I, I think this goes back to what we've been talking about, right? It has to be a culture, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, they're suffering from a lack of safe, working safely culture. Right. Right? So they people aren't taking it seriously. They don't think they need to do it. They don't understand the ramifications, right? There, there's a communication piece that's not happening there, right, That mm-hmm. that's, that's driving the mantra home of, so, hey, this is important for everybody, and, and we don't want to wait until something bad happens to, for everybody to put the damn helmet on and get the safety vest on and tether off. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know the, there's 
they're at the point where they need to have some really hard conversations where they need to bring all their supervisors in, all their foremen in, and have this conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. And just be like, guys, we cannot operate like this. We cannot wait until OSHA shows up to throw all our crap on and give this ruse of we've been doing it all along. Someone's going to get killed or someone's going to get seriously hurt, and we don't want to wait for that to happen. Yeah. So, you know, they need to get away from, oh, we're complying for the sake of complying to, oh, we're doing this because we recognize the value and the need and we want to do it to keep each other safe. Exactly. That's a really good point. This is, this is actually, this is the old paradigm, you know, the safety police, the, you know, leadership by tyranny or whatever you would call that. I don't even know what the term for that is, but this is what we've been trying to get away from for years where, you know, I beat you into submission rather than I, somehow I enlist your you know, support or your, um, uh, it's like traffic stops, right? Speed limits don't get people to stop speeding. And then traffic cops will pull people over and give them a good slap on the wrist or a heavy fine. That, that still doesn't slow people down. Mm -hmm. Right. We still allow manufacturers to make cars that go 150, 200 miles an hour. Right. So it's not a, it's not a, a system or a culture of getting people to slow down. Right. Right. It's like, there's all these checks in place, but that doesn't get people to do it, right? That's not how it works. It's kind of the OSHA model, too. I mean, you know, obviously OSHA is a small agency. They don't have the resources to be everywhere. So you take a state like Nebraska, where there are probably 75,000 to 100,000 businesses that are under OSHA's jurisdiction, and then on any given day, there are going to be thousands of action act, uh, active construction sites, And they've got, I think right now, the office has four qualified inspectors hitting. So the threat of an OSHA inspection is very small. And they're busy showing up to the fatal accidents. Absolutely. They have have those kind of things to address. But the issue is, so, and I've read papers, there have been studies, I don't know how well they were conducted, but studies have shown that following an OSHA inspection where there have been citations issued... That company will remain focused on compliance for about 18 months to 24 months, and then it drops off again. I'm surprised it's even that long. I would, I am too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just like the speeding thing. You know, I wait until, well, not me. I might slow down the rest of the day. Yeah, maybe that day, or you wait until you can't see the the deputy anymore, then you hit on, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. And I, so, you know, this whole concept of, um, safety policing Mm -hmm. just just doesn't work and it's just it's just a i see that a lot in the construction sector not not so much anymore you know it's it's a little been a little bit more slow to change i i would venture in this example um john w that you're not out and about enough talking to people you're not out and about enough uh with those frontline supervisors mm -hmm. and those foremen on the job sites that you're only showing up once in a while and they know that, right? And then they're scrambling to put all their safety gear on. Uh, yeah, well, to make, right. So, and I'm not saying you need to be in there chilly all the time, but there needs to be, like we talked about, a continuity program where you're. It's a it's a weekly discussion. It's a mm-hmm. daily discussion. It's a yeah. daily reminder to to talk about topics. It's that weekly we're going to talk about our near misses. Um, we're going to put out uh, the continuity binder, and there's going to be updates in it daily. 
uh, of new compliances, new OSHA rules, things that we're doing above and beyond, mm-hmm. uh, topics of the day. Right. Um, maybe putting in a program where at the beginning of each shift you have a stand-up in which everybody comes together to talk about, hey, guys, let's remember to tether off. Let's remember to be safe. Hey, we just had a company down the road where a guy fell off the roof. That could happen to us. Right, right. right? So it's those daily conversations that need to start to happen. And yeah. I'm willing to bet that are not happening currently, which is why when you show up, they're like, oh, crap, let's, you know, mm-hmm. he's coming, get it, get everything on, or he's here. Well, I was wondering that, too. Maybe maybe it's the way John approaches his time, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, to, but maybe that's the way he approaches the time that he is on the site. He's He is policing. He is being critical rather than supportive or engaging or Honest whatever that might be. Maybe it's maybe he's just... And, and I don't know his situation. You know, he may be spread thin, don't have the resources... Mm-hmm. Uh, barely keeping it together in, in terms of a, a program. Yeah, if you got multiple sites going on and you don't have the resources to, to truly uh, get a, a a good program going, I don't even want to say program, a, a good mm-hmm. culture going. Right. Like one person can only do so much, and I get that. And I don't know what kind of support he has from his leadership above sure. him. Like I don't know what the CEO or the COO is really doing to help him. And, and maybe he's just doing everything he can just to have some semblance Right of a safe environment going on. Yeah, if they, if you know, they have left it up to him, he's a one man shop. He's kind of screwed. Right? Program, he's screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree, man. That's a tough one. It's interesting, but that is so common. And I think you know that's obviously what we're trying to get away from that that sense of oh god, the safety guys on the site. Put your safety glasses right. on. And, you know, so I would encourage him to try to get out of that mindset, uh, like you said, that compliance mindset, and and get into the. Let's have more discussions. Let's have more dailies. Let's have more contact with everybody on these concepts of safety and working safely uh, throughout. And then try to get your leadership to somehow either get you more resources or uh, buy into this concept of this daily conversation, this this daily stand up that safety is in the fabric of everything, not just this thing we have to do once a year, once every mm-hmm. six months, or whenever I show up on the job site. Right. Um, and, and a lot of that is Ideally. presentation, right? If, if yeah. you come rolling in like the Grim Reaper, you're going to get treated as such. Mm-hmm. right? If you come rolling in as somebody that's like, hey, I'm trying to make this place better for everybody, you're going to get treated as such as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going off script here, and um, I don't have <laughs> a script. We have a script. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have a script. But going off script, but man, that's an interesting, I mean, when you talk about speed limits, for example, and the effect that a speed limit has on driver's behavior or OSHA and, you know, the threat of OSHA inspection and the impact that has, are, are those things even worth doing? I mean, I mean, in, in, as you mentioned, it doesn't really modify behavior all that much. I mean, my, in my opinion, like, I mean, I guess we if have we're going to use a traffic stops, it's just a moneymaker, <laughs> to yeah. be honest, right? And it's, and it's the potential threat. Yeah. Uh, well, you might get caught. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been of, I mean, talk about getting off topic. I've always been off the mindset that traffic police are a waste of time, that that manpower could be used somewhere else mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in a better manner. And um, maybe, because, maybe because the it ocean inspector, too. It doesn't yeah. fix anything, right? Right. Like, we know everybody speeds. And even then, it's like, oh, they're not going to do anything until you get 10 over. So, okay, well, then what the hell's the point? <laughs> is that the number? Right? Right? I've always no, wondered like, what the number is because when I'm setting my cruise control. Yeah, right. <laughs> Above you know, the speed limit. I mean, if you really, just using this, the speeding as an example to modify behavior, it has to be a cultural approach. It has to be, okay, don't allow auto manufacturers to build cars that go over 100 miles mm-hmm. an hour. 
it just begs people to, mm-hmm. to drive faster. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, make if you're going to have a fine, it has to be so stiff, right? Yeah, that you it's know, just... Obviously, 100 bucks doesn't help. Incredibly, yeah. Right, so... Right. Um, and, and I don't want to get back into making this like uh, a giant penal system. Like if somebody does a safety violation on site, you, you, you thrash them. There are places that do that, right? There you get absolutely. fired. Sure. Right? That's the ultimate price to pay, but we don't want that. We don't want people to comply out of fear. Right. Yeah. That's and, not, and that's what speeding and traffic stops yeah. attempt to do to get you to comply out of fear, fear of getting a ticket, fear of losing your license. Well, we right. know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't really, it doesn't seem to now. I, I am not a speed guy. I, I've never really driven fast. I've never really owned a vehicle. That I mean, I drive a Subaru for God's sakes. You know, I mean, I don't think it goes seventy miles an hour. But it's not safely. Anywhere. But that's not my thing. You know, uh, there is a certain maybe that's just a, like a genetic predisposition that you know some people crave speed and some people don't. Some people take risks and some people don't. I mean, there sure. are. There is a risk tolerance component to every individual's makeup, you know, and I have one son that loves risk, that does all sorts of risky things, and one that never leaves his bedroom, you know, I mean. You're going to have that on the job site, too. Absolutely. You're going to have risk takers, and you're going to have people that double and triple check everything Mm -hmm. to the point where they're, you know. Can you hurry up, please? You right. Check your hat four times. Can right. Get right. Going? <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. It's right? on. Right. So you know you want to find that happy medium, right? Mm-hmm. You know, truth always lies is somewhere in the middle, right. and then you know, effectiveness is always somewhere in the middle at the end of the day. But we can we can modify that to some degree, or we can rein in the that. The, I mean, you don't want to totally eliminate risk takers. They're the people that probably get stuff done. Well, you're always going to have outliers, right? I mean, whether, whether you like it or not, you always have outliers, and you always want to have. Uh, some people on the fringe because that that gives you food for thought right mm-hmm. like you need you don't want to be a bunch of lemmings at the right, same time right. you want people to question like why are we doing this or have we tried this or and so you want you know very aggressive people and very passive people right you don't want just group think at the right. same time so you need extremes right mm-hmm. in every situation but not to the point where it, it's pulling the entire group over the ledge at yeah. the same time right i wonder if you could do like a psych profile on all of your employees at at the time of hiring, so you knew... Well, there are a lot of companies that do that. Who the, the risk the takers were. Test, and the disc test and a personality test, okay. and, and they identify that. And there's a lot of companies now that will hire based solely on the the results of those tests. Okay, because uh, you and, want and it, certain personalities in certain jobs. Sure, or? and it's proven to hold, you know, hold serve pretty well. Like, if you're in a, an aggressive sales job where it's very um, commission-based sales mm-hmm. and, and it's performance-based, right? Um, there are certain personalities that naturally do better there mm-hmm. and there are certain personalities that are probably going to fail mm-hmm. and if you know that going into it you can say look your resume looks great but you don't have the personality interesting for this role yeah right and, and and you save a lot of time money and energy hiring the wrong people and trying to train them and basically fit a square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. um uh, a good friend of mine who owns a medical staffing company they do the disc test and he he swears by it up and down he's like if they don't score in a certain area we're not even going to give them an interview really I wonder how we we could apply. I'm sure that could be applied to what we're talking about. Well, sure. I mean, if if you're if you're in in a a high risk uh, industrial area, and 
and you can identify early on through a personality test, this person's likely going to be the one not to tether off of where they're right. at. You may want to just steer clear or, altogether. Or just not a detail person or whatever right. that might be. Sure, I mean, because, you know, attention to detail is huge when it comes to mm-hmm. safety and working safely. So now there's always caveats, right? You might have a, a job candidate who this person has a unique skill set that's hard to come by, mm-hmm. but they also don't score proper on the personality test. It's right. going to be one of those things like, okay, there's a give and take here. Like we'll we'll take the personality risk because the skill set is so unique and yeah. they're so good at it. Sure. But you know that now, right? So you know that, and now you know to have those conversations with that person on a daily basis. Hey, man, you know, don't forget above all, we're working safe today. Let's make sure we're doing this, doing that, doing this, and you can keep an extra eye on that person. I'm not saying babysit, mm-hmm. but now you can have those conversations. Like, look, we've identified that you tend to be a little risky in what you do. We can't have that here. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. You know, that's interesting because on its face, I think even as a, as a supervisor, as a leader, someone in that position in a, in a, you know, the assigned position, you are, you are a supervisor or a manager by position. Um, and, and you have an opportunity to observe your workforce and you should be able to know, you know, who the followers are, who the loners are, who Mm -hmm. the, uh, innovators are, who the risk takers are, who the, you know, idiots are frankly you know the people that are always doing something that's i mean and that probably should to some degree you should adapt to that and modify how you you manage everybody needs to be led differently yeah people are different right and and to your point everybody's going to fall into natural roles Mm -hmm. okay so you, you can't treat them all the same you also have to understand that through to put them in a position to set them up for success which is what i think a lot of managers and leaders don't do you just hire somebody, train them up, and go do work. And you may be putting them in a place where they can't perform at their best. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, they're just, they don't get it or X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, man, you just put them in the wrong spot to begin with. It's not that they're incapable of right. performing or incompetent. They just, you, you put them in an environment where they're set up for failure. They'd be better served over right. here. And they're going to better serve you over here. Right. Right. So I need this job. So I'm putting whoever comes in the door next in that job, or if they, if which they is totally loosely fulfill the requirements. I need to get somebody in there, so I'm going to cram mm-hmm. them in there. Where they, that may have been the completely right. wrong person to put in there, or, or the wrong spot to put them in. And and a lot of that is is time and energy. A lot of companies don't feel they have the time or money to want to do those personality tests and want to do sufficient background checks to really want to take their time in hiring. Right, they just need to get somebody in there. Like for in a meat packing plant, I need someone on the line right. cutting meat now. Right, right. now, yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. do I have time to have someone to go through a four week hiring process to get the quote unquote the right person in there? I get it, right, and I get it. There's necessity to get work done, but understand all the baggage and problems that potentially come with that. Mm-hmm. Right, so, hiring hiring is one of the hardest things to do, and a lot of companies don't put sufficient enough effort into that because they just need to fill bodies mm-hmm. and fill spots. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like we always say you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. right? Without question. It, well, you know, if you don't put time and energy into the hiring process, you get what you get it's at the end of the day. You know, so if, you know, if you want a safe work environment and you're just haphazardly hiring people and you tend to be hiring a bunch of risk takers, well, you're going to get what you get mm-hmm. at that point. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I, I was reading an article, gosh, just a few days ago, that was talking about in 2019, the the incident of you know workplace drug use was sig- really high, 
you know, they were, you know, the drug testing activities that many companies mm-hmm. that implement, they were finding people, you know, a lot of people that were, you know, that were failing these drug tests. And, but I think there's a correlation to the fact that when there is really low unemployment and you are basically now picking from perhaps the less desirable candidates, you get what you get sometimes. Sure. And that manifests itself possibly in things like this. Right. You know, it, it is what it is, right? And you hate to say you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, but, you know. There are some dudes out there that wear their underwear on the outside of their pants, man. <laughs> I mean, they're just not employable. I mean, I don't mean that it, it is what it is. I'm not judging people, but. Right. Some people do not belong in a work environment with sharp objects and uh, heavy agreed. machinery and stuff. And, and I think that's one of those things where, you know, um, our culture as a country that, you know, well, everybody deserves a job or everybody deserves to make this wage or everybody deserves. And it's kind of like, well, I, I get that. But at the same time, it's like you have to protect your company and protect your culture as well. Right. And if you take that approach of, well, anybody deserves to be here. Well, in your case, no, man, we are a company that works with incredibly sharp objects mm-hmm. and incredibly high rate of pace. And I can't have just any nitwit in there <laughs> right. doing this work. Absolutely. Someone's going to get hurt, right? Severely hurt. So have, co- um, have companies got, be- have they've gotten better about hiring? I mean, obviously they do a lot of different, or, I think, that, or many I think it depends on the industry, right? I think yeah, it depends on, like, like you said, if it's kind of a, a high turnover, turn and burn type of industry where it's, a lot of grunt work and just not, it's just knuckle-busting work. Mm-hmm. You're going to tend to have higher turnover. You're going to have l- the pool of people applying for those jobs is going to be much smaller. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, you're going to get a certain type of person mm-hmm. applying yeah, for those question. jobs. It, yep. it just is what it is, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, you kind of have to deal with it, right? And I think that's why it's it's more important in those environments to have a very good training program, a very good education program, a very good mentoring program. Right. Like what you're bringing in, I don't want to say less desirable people, but maybe less skilled or just the personality you're bringing in. Less experienced. Maybe they've never been in, a, in an industrial what facility. what you're getting. It's, it's that much more important to have right. a good training program, good education program, good mentoring right a good culture of working safely where everybody's mm-hmm. watching out for everybody right and not just people that are constantly being plug and played and, and right. they're on their own yeah that's right? really critical really critical and you described a couple of things again what script <laughs> so but i mean when you talk about mentoring and when you, t- you talk about training people to d- perform their work safely rather than just you you mentioned it earlier compartmentalizing you know safety as a separate thing you know i mean mm-hmm. We're going to teach you how to do your job, and then, you know, a week from Friday, you get your safety training. It's just, you know, that is just not not an effective way to go about doing this. Um, all right, man. That was question number one. <laughs> question number two. I know we're going to roll up on time here pretty soon, so I'm, I'm rambling. But question number two, also an interesting question. I thought I was doing the right thing by promoting one of my highest performers a few years ago. Nobody knows our process is better. Now the guys hate working for him because he constantly berates their work. What can I do? This is from Marilyn, Marilyn S. I, I, so That's classic. If you're good at your job, you should be able to lead people. Yeah. Which couldn't be further from the truth. I saw this when I worked for a major IT company, and if someone was very good at their job, well, they must be cut out for leadership. And you would see, 
I mean, I would see people get promoted all the way through the director to the VP level because they're very good at what they did mm-hmm. and their technical job. Mm-hmm. Well, they well they must they're going to be good for the entire organization. And they were the worst leaders ever. Had no concept of leadership whatsoever because they weren't they weren't a people person, right? Throw them in their cubicle, let them do their job. Don't make, don't let them talk to people. But they're they're good at what they do, right? But you have to acknowledge that okay, this person is very good at this job. Let them do that job. That doesn't mean they should be interacting with people yeah. or, or leading people, right? Right. There are certain people who are naturally cut out for leadership, and there are some people who are not. I'm not saying you can't learn. So what do you what do you, you look at? Learn I mean, to be a is leader. There, is there a so telltale sign? Is it just communication skills or it, it, it's a lot of things right so when you're looking to promote someone who's there you're looking for someone who's got good communication skills good interpersonal skills someone who's a who's a natural leader who can rally people someone who can uh, has the ability to get along and start conversation and, and break down barriers from people someone who is, is level-headed like the person who's like hey let's listen to everybody's idea right not not someone who's just my way or the highway type of idea like someone who's got good you need good technical skill you need good technical knowledge but has more of a breadth of knowledge right they've shown that leaders have good leaders have a a breadth of knowledge rather than a depth of knowledge okay does that make sense yeah it right? does because Absolutely. they need to be able to put on multiple hats and have a larger understanding and be able to take an approach from the aggregate the mile high view rather than just resort to their technical know-how and get into the weeds right away so the problem I see so with that... So I, I bet you this person she's talking about micromanages the hell out of people. It sounds like it, yeah. Be, why? Because he doesn't have the confidence to let people to do their job because mm-hmm. in his mind, well, I'm the best at it. I'm better than them, right? This is how it's supposed this to be. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how I would do it, mm-hmm. right? And rather than it. let them do it how they feel best and then maybe give a suggestion or you know, provide them the tools to get better, right? So it, it's, it's that ego thing. It's like, well, I'm the best in the room. Yeah, That's like, why I got promoted. Yeah. I'm going to show you. I'm, I'm going to continue to show you I'm the best in the room. And well, this so, is why you need to listen to me. And that's not your job as a leader. It's not my job to do your work. My job is to let you do your work and give you the things to perform at a high level. If I am in the weeds doing your work, why are you here? Who's doing my work? Who's doing then? my job? Yeah, who's mean, driving the organization? I would always wonder that. You know, when you have, I was in a situation where directors and VPs would get in on the conference calls. I'm like, what are you doing here? You need to make sure everything's going fine. Well, then why am I here? Right. Exactly. Right. Let us do our job. Yeah. Like, let us do our job. So that's that's one of the things that, you know, I know a lot of companies want to promote within. And I understand that. That's a good thing to do, promote within. You want to be able to show employees there's a job progression, that you can continue to grow in this company, right? But that doesn't mean you have to promote somebody within. Because they're the highest performer, certainly. And, and, and define highest performer. Yeah. Right? Just because I got somebody who's very good at sales, you know, who can sell a book to a blind man, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that doesn't mean they should be the head of sales. Mm-hmm. That exactly. doesn't mean they should run an organization. Mm-hmm. You if, make the best widgets. Now if you're they're that good at sales, hey, you know what? Use them as the model. Pick their brain on what they're doing right. Create best practices from that. Maybe, you know, put them in charge of training or something. That doesn't mean they should be leading people mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Like, it, it's like saying, like, if I'm on a construction site, like, I take my best framer. 
well, he's the best framer. He should be the foreman. I think that's very common. The guy might is, be a straight-up asshole, yeah. for lack of a better Sorry, excuse my French. But, Absolutely. And everybody hates him. Why would you make that person the foreman? Right. It doesn't totally. make any sense, Well, right? that's, I mean, that's the government system. That is the government system. You, you know, there are only certain jobs that you can be promoted into, and at a certain point it becomes man- management jobs only that you can be promoted into. But you have people that are exceptional at what they do. There, there needs to be a way to reward them so that they are content to stay in that production type mm-hmm. of role, whatever that is, whether it be sales or ma- making widgets or right. making inspections, whatever that is. So my advice to that person is, I, I don't know how big this company is, right? As I would, I would take a step back and say, okay, throughout our company, who are the best leaders? Who are the best bosses I've had? And, and what are the common threads amongst them? And then use that as your hiring criteria. And I promise you, when you look at who are the best leaders and who are the best bosses I've had, it had nothing to do with her technical skill or prowess. Right. Right. So what are those qualities that I've seen in good leaders, people I think are good leaders or good managers that I've had, and use that as your criteria for hiring your next manager or leader. Right. And here's the other thing, too. You can't be afraid to get rid of that person. You got to have this honest conversation. You got to walk them and say, hey, Bob, look, I understand I hired you for this position, but I starting to realize I don't think you're cut out for management, and here's why. Now, we can try to work on this, but uh, I think I need to move you back to a technical school. It's not that you're a bad person. It's just I don't think you're cut out for management, mm-hmm. and it's really that and simple. And you have to make that change, otherwise you're going to kill your company. Mm-hmm. You're going to create such a toxic environment that people are going to start leaving. You know, the truth is Bob may hate it too. I mean, yeah. he, he may be miserable in a, in a leadership. There's a, a lot of people position. that think, well, I want this management job. Well, why? Well, that's, that's the next thing I should be doing. Yeah. That's the next step. That's the next logical step. And it's like, well, okay, but is it really? And are you really cut out for that? Mm-hmm. And, and one, is it something you want to do? I mean, everybody's taking jobs that they don't want because they think that's the progression right. of their career. Yeah. And then they're miserable for the next five years. Yeah. I right. So, so that's a great point. You know, have that conversation like, Hey man, do you even like to manage? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how's it going? Do you even, are you enjoying this? Mm-hmm. No man, this sucks. People suck. Yeah. Okay. Well, they think you suck too. So <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> make a change, right? Let's, let's, let's figure out a way to make it work. <laughs> sure. Exactly. I agree. And make well, man, I apologize. We're running up on time. We got through two of the four questions I had. That's fine. I'm going to have to save them for next time. Um, yeah, it's Friday. It is uh, It is the weekend before Halloween, the election man. day. Well, it's Halloween tomorrow. Yeah. We're supposed to have a beautiful day, so I think uh, there will be some trick-or-treating. My I wife will so. be throwing candy to the kids uh, from yeah. a safe social distance. <laughs> just slingshot it to <laughs> exactly. them from the curb. <laughs> yeah, nobody's coming up to the door, I can assure you with that. There'll probably <laughs> just be handfuls of candy corn out in the front yard. We, help did, yourself. Uh, we did a little Halloween party for the kids in our kids' class. And so they all, we just basically, they dressed up and came to class and we played dodgeball for an hour. And, nice. Oh my God, my ears are still ringing. I'll bet. Kids just scream for <laughs> no did, reason man. whatsoever. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, man, thanks. It's good to see you. Anytime, buddy. Have a good good weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.